We're back with season two of Flop Stars. Much like the first, Flop Stars is the podcast where we look at projects by our favorite pop stars that underperformed on the charts but found a home with a cult group of fans. I'm Sam Murphy, the editor of The Interns, and I'm joined once again by Project U's Nick Kelly to delve deep into misunderstood projects. For episode one, we're taking a look into Katy Perry's fourth album, Witness. Prior to the release of the album, Perry was the biggest pop star in the world, breaking records with her third album, Prism. Witness, however, broke that trend. The experimental pop project failed to find favour with mainstream and led to a series of questionable promotional tactics. Still, there's plenty of value to be found in the record and we're going to approach it on this episode of Flop Stars. Hello, hello, Nick. Welcome back to season two of the podcast. Starting with laughter already. It's so good to be here. It's so great to be at season two and kicking off with an absolute bang and you kicking off in an absolute bang of a location. Um, This podcast is truly global. It already was in season one. And now you join us from sunny (laughs) Pennsylvania. You know, I have to keep switching it up now. We've gone from Italy to recording in the middle of Pennsylvania in an American gated community, <laughs> which will now I've be gone the from Gosford to Gosford. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that being our HQ. We need one person keeping it consistent. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been, Nick? In our in our little break, it was meant to be two weeks, and it went ran a little bit longer. A little bit. I, I I've been good. I've been very good. I've been um, absorbing a lot of new music, so I'm keen to get back into looking at some of the albums that shaped pop music, like Katy Perry's Witness. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in case you missed it, is our subject today, and is an, is an iconic album of sorts for um, very different reasons than a number of the albums we've covered on the podcast. There's so much to unpack with this album, and I'm so excited to dive into it. Um, should we start with what Katy Perry was around this time? Like, how was she being perceived by the world? Of course, this album came out in the middle of 2017. Where had Katy been for the years before? She hadn't put an album out in four years. It seems incredible because you don't really think about Katy Perry ever disappearing, really. And I don't think it was a disappearance Ooh. because... I think the run from Prism went for quite long. The tour that was involved with Prism was very successful. I think it was the top grossing of the year that it was happening in. Um, And then, of course, she did the Olympic theme song, Rise. And she had a few bits and pieces going on. And maybe there was a little bit of Katy Perry fatigue as well because she had done so well. She'd done everything you want to do when you reach that point of being a pop star in terms of the arena tour. Then she did Super Bowl as well. Um, it was all kind of kind of roses for Katie and then obviously things started to shift somewhat. And I don't think it really started to happen until Witness was in full flight because when the single Chain to the Rhythm came out, people were still quite into Katy Perry. The, the song kind of flew into the top 10 of the charts quite easily, but already at that point there was a little bit of like negativity in that this woke pop thing isn't quite working. Or well, that's how I perceived it anyway. Yeah. It was a very interesting one. I think you're right that there was still 
excitement and hype around her return. I think she never got rid of that hype and everyone was excited for her to come back with an actual pop single um, because people will remember she did uh, Every Day is a Holiday, the song for the H&M promotional campaign. Um, <laughs> and by everyone. In that everyone. time as well, she voiced one of the Smurfettes. Yeah, exactly. She voiced um, Smurfette in Smurfs 2, um, okay. reprising her role from Smurfs 1 as well. Um, she put out another fragrance called Mad Potion, which was delightful, wow. um, and got herself back involved with American Idol. So she had kind of one of those pivots that pop stars do where they try out a few different things and they diversify and they keep their name out there without oversaturating themselves. And I think it's a really good point. Oversaturation is a real issue with yeah. pop stars. And Taylor Swift definitely went through it and she was quite cognizant of that fact. I remember seeing the video where Kanye reveals the lyrics of um, the song. I can't remember Famous. the name of it. The one that yeah. says I made that. Our Sh- future yeah. president. Um, exact our future president. Hashtag 2020 <laughs> vision. Um, she was very cognizant of the fact at the time that she would be oversaturated if she were to be, you know, too publicly involved with that song. And I think Katie probably had a similar situation where, you know, she has been the biggest pop star in the world for probably a very long time, a very long reign of being one of the biggest pop stars in the world. So diversification, putting herself into different worlds, letting people see more of her as a person rather than just her as the pop yeah. star, and then coming back with this stuff was was a good idea. But you're right, the woke pop thing was interestingly received. Um, I remember when Chain to the Rhythm was about to come out, her way of promoting it initially, which I thought was really exciting, she dropped a bunch of disco balls that had headphone jacks attached to them around the planet. I was in London at the time and went down to Leicester Square and had to listen to it through the disco ball. There was like 10 people there. Like it was not a lot of interest. It was, I was, I thought it would be hundreds of people. There's 10. There's a line of like 10 people and you got to listen to it for a minute and then you had to jump out for the next person, but you could line back up again and listen to it. So it was an interesting (laughs) campaign. How many times did you listen to it? Um, like three. <laughs> I was like really into it when I heard it through the disco ball for the first time. And the Australian one was attended by even less people. It was quite early in the morning in Australia. It was like 6 or 7am and they brought down all the morning shows to do a live cross from there. Um, it was next to the next to the opera house. And there was again about 10 people there. So it was interesting. I don't think people were ready for her to come. I don't think people needed her to come back at that point. But the song itself, the quality of Chain to the Rhythm, I think was an excellent, excellent song. But was it the right choice for the first single of the album with the rest of the album in consideration, do you I think? mean, I don't think there's another song on the album that could have really handled that duty. Um, I think Chain to the Rhythm is one of maybe two or three Max Martin co-writes on the, the whole album. And I think, obviously, like, Katie's had a very successful career with the Maxes and um Doctor Redacteds of the world. Um so it was surprising that she kind of pivoted away from that. So I think they kind of listened to the album and they were like, well this is the obvious first single. It's the Max one. It's the one that sounds the most radio friendly. And it was like I remember really disliking it at the time because I was already a little bit over Katy Perry and I think the lyrics of the song particularly got me and that it had this message that was like I'm like all for an activist anthem but the way the lyrics sound it was like you're all doing nothing you're all like sitting here delusional thinking that things are roses and they're not and that's like such a one-dimensional take to have when like I'm sure that Katy Perry 
has a pretty diverse fan base, or at least a little bit diverse fan base, and there's probably a lot of people that listen to Katy Perry who are actually quite active already in their kind of, like, doing things for whatever they believe in and working on equality and stuff like that. So for Katy to do a little bit of reading and suddenly come back and be like, I've seen the light. I don't know if you guys are ready yet, but, like, come on this journey with me because I am your activist leader now. Um, I read books now. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I'm going to wrap it up in a little Max Martin pop song and, like, my life depends on it, stream this, because it's not looking good. (laughs) Hey, I I hear your Max Martin references with Chain to the Rhythm, but don't forget there's also a Sia co-write on that track, so it had everything that it should have. Did it have Sia as well? I I knew that Hey, Hey, Hey the writing on it is Max and Sia. Wow. Okay, so that's, like, perfect So you look at that that on paper before it comes out, and Exactly. You think that is the perfect combination and on paper it should be the best pop song of the year. And looking back on it, I still can listen to that song and go, this is good. The chorus is still really strong. It's got really classic pop tropes to it. You know, um, turn it up, it's your favourite song. Dance, dance, dance to the distortion. Very good lyrics. Very strong lyricism there. Um, Like, really good classic pop song. The Skip Marley feature, no one had a fucking clue who Skip Marley was at the time. I still don't think anyone has a clue who Skip Marley is. Um, There were a couple of songs that came after it. I remember at the time he was being touted as the next great hope in music. Um, So it was an interesting choice. But you're right, I don't think there's a song that she could have come straight back with that would have allowed people to ease back into Katie. I think if you went straight in with Swish Swish, everyone would have thought she's doing a hip-hop album. I think if you went in with Bon Appetit, everyone would have gone, she has lost it. Absolutely. And I think you say it right there because I think Bon Appetit was the point where everyone was like, she's lost it. <laughs> because we... <laughs> it was really... It was panned, It was wasn't absolutely it? That, panned. That song was really and panned. It, funnily enough, we're at the very start of the Witness story and it just got wilder and wilder. So I think at the point <laughs> that Changed the Rhythm came out, there was still a little bit of interest. Things were tracking maybe not as well as they wanted them to, but still, like, pretty well. Like, it it was a big song, radio was playing it. And then from there, the wheels just really fell off. There was um, (laughs) a video that surfaced where she was being, throwing in a bit of casual racism about Obama. Um, And then I think there were quite a few things like that. I can't remember the specifics of them all, but... Um, the whole... There was a lot of reasons that her so-called wokeness that she'd found was being sort of pulled apart. Yeah. There are a lot of those kind of things that pulled out and she was doing these really weak kind of, you know, political statements at the Brit Awards. She pulled out these skeletons that looked like Trump and Theresa May and they're all just these kind of weak, you know, half done, half-cooked sort of political activist statement. And the thing is, if you're going to make that your brand, you better make damn sure that you are watertight with that kind of stuff. Like, if you're going to come out and say that I've realised that I haven't done my part in the past, I'm now ready to do that and I'm ready to educate you, know what you're going to educate people on and don't slip up. And I think there are a lot of white female... or both white male and female pop stars who do a very good job at that. I know like Ariana Grande is incredibly good at kind of standing on the sideline and cheering on 
things that she feels very passionate about and she doesn't open herself up mm. to criticism in the same way Katie did because Katie took a stance that was like, I'm on a pedestal, basically, rather than I'm going to support the cause, but I'm not going to be the the leader of the whole thing. So I think it just opened up room for people to poke holes in her and... I think had the music been absolutely incredible, people could have been like, I mean, it's hard to deny. The music's great. So (laughs) we're going to turn a blind eye to everything else that's going on. But unfortunately, I think everything that came after Change of the Rhythm was not really good good enough to overturn the fact that there were flaws in her um, activism. Absolutely. I think it's interesting, though. She, t- she chose some decisions that were, were smart at the time. I mean, she got Migos involved on Bon Appetit, who just had a number one with Bad and Bougie a couple of months yeah. prior. Um, you know, getting Nikki, who, you know, was kind of not doing too much at the yeah. time on Swish Swish. She was kind of laying low in 2017. Um, getting her involved in Swish Swish was, was a good idea. There were all these smart kind of moves she was making, but it failed to actually do anything because you're right. There were so many holes poked in the Katie brand at the time that the music just wasn't good enough to make her buoyant again um bon appetit peaked at number 59 in the u.s and swish swish number 46 which for someone who was the biggest pop star in the world a couple of years prior is pretty atrocious it's absolutely mental how quick the downfall happened when you think about somebody like um maybe lady gaga who joanne is kind of considered to be her flop album if if she has one, I guess Art Pop as well, but Art Pop did have um, a few hits. But Million Reasons was the second single of Joanne, and that was, like, top five, and that project was considered to be unsuccessful for her. So to peak with your second single out of the top 50, when it obviously had a big budget attached to it as well, is pretty dismal. And everyone remembers the video for it. Like, it was a pretty, I don't want to say iconic video, but it's a memorable it's video. It's definitely memorable. It. You know, it was a pop moment. Yeah, yeah memorable. St- You've got to use your words wisely. Here's the thing that I think is um, quite upsetting, is that I think that she kind of, like, obviously changed the rhythm. As we said, she was trying to prove her activism. And by the time she got to Bon Appetit, there was almost, like, Katie is a meme and she really bought into that and the whole like being cooked is like very disturbing but like quite memeable and then you went into Swish Swish which basically just made her look like a bumbling fool for no reason like the video for that was very (laughs) self-deprecating and it was like why are you doing this to yourself because you're not a joke like until this year you were really the biggest pop star in the world I think as well, like she was 31 when this album came out. I think maybe she had some of that early, you know, considering herself a bit more of a mum kind of energy rather than the, you know, the mid-twenties sexy pop star kind of thing. Um, I know at the time when she was on Idol, there was that, that moment where the the kid that she gave the feedback to this gay boy and he was like wig and she was like wig 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 i felt that i felt that like she she was just desperately trying to cling on to like young yeah, people absolutely. things and therefore putting herself in that mum box a little bit so you're right self-deprecating humor kind of comes to the forefront when you sort of accept that you know new stage of your life i think and there's definitely um and kind of unfair industry pressure on female pop stars to hold on to their youth. And it's something that's kind of 
been on Madonna's back for her entire career or for as long as I've known her career, like coming in later on. And it just feels like yeah. I don't think it's entirely Katie's fault that she felt the pressure of that. And I think there comes a Not point where all. you bulldoze through that and you just keep going. And I think Chromatic is a brilliant example of that to bring up Lady Gaga again. Yeah. I think Beyonce even <laughs> potentially went through a little bit of that time with her career where she wasn't nabbing the hits that she thought she should have around that kind of point and then was like, I'm just going to embrace this. Like, So I think I think yeah. it definitely does mess with your head a little bit to no fold of Katie's. The Beyonce one's an interesting point and probably a really smart archetype for pop stars who feel like they're losing their their relevance or whatever. Just owning what you do and doing... Like, what Beyonce is doing now, what Beyonce's done in the last few years has just felt so, so her. her. It's felt the most her of anything she's done in her career. And it continues even... Like, with every song, it feels like it's more and more her. Her jumping on the Savage remix felt like the most you know, skin shed Beyonce yeah, whatever so her organic. and then Black Parade comes out and it's yeah. even more so. And that's probably a really smart idea. Um, before we move on, should we play our song game for the first yes. episode back of Flopstars Oh my Stars goodness, I forgot one. that we were season even two. No, look, I, I've enjoyed our... We, we actually weren't on the run sheet, but I thought, you know, we've been going for about 20 minutes, so why don't we, um, <laughs> you know, let's... We're, all, we're always middle. very on track with timing for this. I think the final <laughs> episode of last season was about an hour and 20 minutes. Can you imagine if we had a producer? <laughs> oh my God. No one wants that job. <laughs> all right. What's our song game idea this the week? The song Sam? game for the first episode of this season is New Katie or Old Perry. So. Ooh. We're going to... I actually think that... I think it was meant to be new Katie or old Katie, but I actually like the way I've switched that up. So that's a happy little yep. accident. Old Perry. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going to put a song from Witness, Old Perry, against one of the songs that Katie's released in the last few years, new Katie. Cool. So the first one is Chain to the Rhythm. Are we crazy? Versus 365, her collab with Zed. I'm going to upset the popular Twitter user Jared Richards with my answer to this, I think. 365 oh. is is a strong song with yeah. Zed. Um, you know, it, it's good. It's good, I suppose. Um, Zed performed at the Witness Tour, which is a whole other discussion we need to have shortly, the Witness Tour. There's so Zed, much to unpack. Oh, Zed played before the Witness Tour and it was just like this strange, like, mega mix. It was like DJ Earworm was there mashing up songs, like speeding everything up by like 50% and mashing it all together and it was just chaos <laughs> and all the children were standing up flossing to Zed's set the whole time. Um, anyway, that's a tangent. Love, love <laughs> 365, but oh as I said God. earlier in the episode, Change of the Rhythm still has replay value. Like you go back, I go back and listen to that song and I still, I, I appreciate it probably more now than I did at the time. It was actually yeah. a very well, well done pop song. So I'm going to go Change to the Rhythm. What about you? Um, I think Change to the Rhythm was not my favourite when it was released and I still wouldn't say it's my favourite, but 365 is definitely on a lower tier to that I think at the time Zed was kind of coming off stay with Alessia Cara in the middle with Marin Morris like two well his two biggest records of his career um and then this one seemed to 
break that streak for him. So. <laughs> it was 365 and get low with Liam Payne that and broke get, the streak. Yeah, I mean, he should have known better than Liam Payne, but I think Katy Perry is kind of... A, you feel it's a sure bet. Um, yeah. Neither of them are particularly bad, but I'll go a, a light chain to the rhythm. Cool. Yep, a light smattering of chained. I like that. The next one we've got Bon Appetit, Feet Migos. Versus Harley's in Hawaii. Oh God! A real, can you do a real team? supreme team of songs to choose from. <laughs> um, look, Bon Appetit is just so I just can't, and it's just so atrocious and yeah. revolting. But Harley's in Hawaii is just not good. So you know you've really made this a difficult combination. <laughs> Harley's in Hawaii, at least isn't as foul as Bon Appetit. So I'm going to go Harley's in Hawaii, but very reluctantly. Yeah, so I think Harley's in Hawaii is just its biggest crime is it's forgettable, whereas Bon Appetit's biggest crime may be that it's unforgettable for all the wrong reasons. So I'm definitely going Harley's in Hawaii. I think Bon Appetit's one of the absolute worst pop songs of... (laughs) as long as I can remember and her SNL performance of it is absolutely atrocious revolting um, it, it, so Hartley's in Hawaii wins but I don't think it should be taking the winners any kind of pin on, pin on its um, lapel yeah <laughs> on its lapel what's our third battle our third battle is roulette versus never really over okay. this in my opinion is an incredibly strong battle I'll give it credit. I'll give it credit. Um, I've still got a very clear winner, to be honest. And the clear winner to me is, of course, Never Really Over, which I think is one of my favourite songs she's ever done. What's your feelings on Never Really Over? I I think Never Really Over was maybe the best pop song of last year. I think it just came out of absolutely fucking nowhere and nobody (laughs) expected her to be able to make a song like that. I literally listened and was like, this will be a good laugh. And suddenly it was (laughs) was much more than that. It was a life-shifting moment. Um, Just such a good song. But Roulette is my favourite by far off Witness. Really? Not that that's a big title, but... um, yeah, I love Roulette. I still play Roulette today. When Never Really Over came over, I remember going back to Roulette because I was like, I had some nostalgia for the last good Katy Perry song before Never Really Over. <laughs> so I really love them both, but Never Really Over is, is the winner. Interesting. I never really rated Roulette. I might have to do you a, have to another listen. It. Well, so I did. Good. I went back on the album and it still doesn't stand up to me. There's some songs on there that like towards the later half of the album that I'm like, holy shit, this was a really, really good record. Um, but wow. Roulette was not one of them. Roulette oh, you have to go them. back. It's incredible. Okay. I'll try and listen to it with Sam thinks this is the best Katie song of all time is. <laughs> oh, that's going to change your opinion. <laughs> see if that filter helps. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our final one is Swish Swish. Swish Swish First, the lead single off hashtag KP5, Daisy. <laughs> um, okay, this is an interesting one. Swish Swish is definitely more of a moment. Swish Swish invented flossing for the children. Yeah. Um, 
that and Minecraft or one of the games they play, Fortnite or something. Um, <laughs> something so the children old are involved in. You are. <laughs> However, I do think Daisies is really strong. Um, I uh, is it strong though, or do I just like it? I don't know if it's a particularly so- <laughs> strong song, but I, I quite like it. I think her, um, you know, yelling daisies in her highest falsetto humanly possible is is fantastic. Um, that is quite a jarring moment, isn't it? Oh, it is. Daisy, she goes from zero daisies. to 100 very quickly. Daisies! <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Um I think I'm going to have to go just for staying power. Swish, swish is going to be my choice. For staying power. Wow. Yeah, it's got some staying power to it, Sam. I think swish, swish is just was just too Im- embarrassing for her. It I just, mean, half the value came from Nikki's And the Nikki-verse think- is amazing. If I could have just the Nikki-verse. Yeah. Um, Ferragama slide is on deck. I also think Daisy's is... A strong. I don't think it's an incredibly strong lead single, but I think it's hasn't like put her off track for this album, and I think it has potential to have some staying power um, yeah. at radio like later on. Yeah. Um. So I think it's kind of a good move to go. It feels pretty safe as a lead single for an album, but I think that um, it's doing its job. So I think the one that I like more is definitely Daisies. I was, of course, the host of the uh, Australian uh, Katy Perry Daisies video uh, premiere live stream on Zoom. Um, so shout outs to the 65 people that joined the call. Did um, you also not do something with her just when she was here, just before she got quarantined? No. Or was... No. Okay. No, it wasn't me. Some other gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did anything with that. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I drank a lot of beers since then. Don't yeah. Think so. No, I think I just remember her being in Australia before everything went to shit, and then she was quarantined on the Gold Coast with the rest of everybody else who had Corona at that time. With Tom Hanks and Tom Co. Hanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a time. What a time. I still remember being in the car hearing that Tom Hanks had coronavirus on the Gold Coast and just being like, this is it. Like, the world's over. I the know. World's, I know. The world's and cooked. the fact that, like, all these celebrities were in Australia. Like, I think Dua Lipa was there as well. Like, we nearly had them all quarantined there. Oh, it's so Aria bad. would have just suddenly put that little, like, red Australian um, map <laughs> next to their name and claimed them. <laughs> Oh my god Well that was a good song game That was a challenging song game for sure It was a bit challenging I think now we're kind of leading up into your game But there's like some A big conversation to have before that <laughs> Which is the um, The days leading up to the Witness launch Which were um, messy to say the least It was so messy um, She performed a 41 camera Big Brother style um, live stream called Witness Worldwide, uh, which was 24 hours for five days. You could watch her in this house with a shit ton of special guests segments, but you could also just watch her sleep. And I remember tuning in. The only times I tuned in, maybe two or three times, were when she was asleep. Um, and she's a, she, to- <laughs> she was tossing and turning a fair bit, which, you, you know, I get. You're, you're being watched and your new album's out in three days. I understand it. 
Um, yeah. I only watched then, and I think when Hayden James, the Australian producer, went into the house yeah. because I was like, "Why is Hayden James?" It was just milling about in the house. kitchen with a beer. I remember. It was so weird. It was like, "I want to vote you out." Where's what? What number do I text it to to get rid of you? From <laughs> I think Sia turned up to dinner as well. Yeah, it was chaos. Don't again. Not too much detail because there is a game coming up involving okay. this, and I specifically right. asked Sam not to research. The I Witness haven't live researched stream. it, but I was quite invested. <laughs> I think, like, I feel like it's nice to know that there's something you can like tune into twenty four hours a day and kind of just have the security of not being alone. And Katie was that for like three days. And I remember a lot being like, I might just check what Katie's up to. What Katie's up to, exactly. Usually she was like sobbing on a staircase or <laughs> confronting her um, <laughs> her racist undertones head, head on. It did garner 49 million views from 190 different countries over the five days, which is quite impressive. And to be that honest, is quite impressive. no one had really done something like this before. It seems like a very obvious thing for an artist to do. It was bold. It was bold. It was interesting. And so many things about the Witness era were bold. They were cooked, but they were bold. I'll give her that. Definitely bold. There was nothing cookie cutter about the era. Even tapping, like, Hayden James for production. Um, Purity Ring, I think, had two songs on the record. It was Jack like... Jack Garrett. Jack Garrett, yeah. She could have really gone with just a an album that was, like, your straight-up Max Martin, like, hit after hit. But she clearly was looking for something more. And whether she found that, she definitely tried. I don't think she found it. But you've got to admire shaking it up like that on your fourth album. And she she describes this album as an album of liberation more than anything. And I think a big part of that was this was her first album not working with Dr. Redacted um, after, you know, 10 or so years of doing so, um, which is interesting. The reception was interesting as well. It did actually debut at number one on the Billboard chart um, and actually commercially performed okay. It was one of the best-selling female pop records of the year. only Canada and Spain matched the number one achievement. It was number two in Australia. So it's interesting that it, it's still, the hype was still there for her by the time the album came out. I think there'd yeah. been enough chaos and enough drama with the singles that by the time the album came out, everyone was like back on the Katie train again, whether you loved her or hated her or whether you just, you know, found her strange. It was, <laughs> she was very much back in the pop zeitgeist again. Yeah. Yeah, she was. I'm not sure if whether it was for um, career advancement or (laughs) to the detriment of... Well, I know it's for the detriment of her career. (laughs) I pulled this really funny um, opening line from uh, Spin magazine's review of the album. Um, Katy Perry now going door-to-door trying to shock people does not quite have the ring of one of The Onion's most famous headlines, but it is an approximate description of Perry's strategy for promoting her new album, Witness, (laughs) which is just... Pretty perfect. It's a pretty... It was entirely shock. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was very boardroom, like, what are we going to do to shock people, smoke a couple of dubs, and come up with these strange yeah. ideas, and this is what 
occurred from it. But definitely the icing on the cake of this strange experience was, of course, the 72 hour. Actually, it wasn't 72, it was 96 hour live stream. So oh I have God. a game for you, Sam, if you're willing yeah. to get involved. The game is called Did This Actually Happen During Katy Perry's Witness Livestream? It's a simple, like, it's sort of a simple yes or no game. However, there's, um, there's one that's not a yes or no, so it's not really a yes or no game. But it'll, it'll make okay. itself so it's abundantly mostly clear. a yes or no game. Correct. Did this actually happen during Katy Perry's Witness live stream, which was actually called Katy Perry Live colon Witness Worldwide? Uh, question number one. Did Katy do Pilates with Jesse Tyler Ferguson of Modern Family fame <laughs> at some point in the Witness World live stream? Pilates. Pilates with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. The redhead. Not Cam, the other one. I mean, I feel like I'm inclined to say yes for anything she did during that <laughs> period. Um, it's just the person that's putting me off a little bit. Interesting. Pilates with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm gonna Stretch. say I'm gonna say no. That is correct because oh. she did yoga with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Oh my so god! I didn't no. realise it was such. I still would have said no for that one. <laughs> the person was correct, and I toyed with the idea of changing the person to the one that it plays Cam, but I couldn't remember his name, and I've just remembered Eric Stone Street, um, which would have been, <laughs> which would have been great. But I thought I'd That's change great. the the sport instead. Name the guest who did not attend Katie's dinner party on the first night of Katy Perry Live Witness Worldwide. Was yeah. it? Sia, Anna Kendrick, Russell Crowe, or Dita Von Teese. Which guest did not attend her dinner party on the first night of the live stream? Oh. Sia, Anna Kendrick, Rusty, or Dita Von Teese. Who was not there? I feel... Russell Crowe seems incredibly random. I don't know. He's but quite... I'm in- Liked in Hollywood circles. Don't know if you knew. (laughs) Glad to have that insight. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I feel like... mm, For some reason, I want to say Anna Kendrick for no reason. Mm -hmm. I'm just like... I'm thinking, why would she invite her? But I get (laughs) Dita Von Teese. I'm like, that would suit... Yeah. Like, feel a little bit edgy. Um, mm-hmm. Sia definitely turned up. Whether it was the first night, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Anna Kendrick. Okay, interesting. You should have gone with your gut because Russell Crowe was nowhere in sight. Oh, my God. I just thought, <laughs> did you think... <laughs> you little shit. I was like, that is far too random for you to come up with. I'll give you the full rundown of who was there. Uh, it was Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins, mm-hmm. actress Anna Kendrick, DJ Mia Moretti, Australian musician Sia, and burlesque star Dita Von Teese. So wow, an interesting incredible dinner dinner party right there. American, uh, not American, actress and activist America Ferreira hosted the dinner on the second night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth night, uh, Caitlyn Jenner popped over and turned dinner political uh, immediately, defending Donald Trump, which was great. Um, however, that's not one of the questions. This question is, 
Did, true or false, did Jimmy Fallon stop by at some point to play a game called Spill Your Guts where you either eat something that may make you queasy or answer an embarrassing question? No, that was James Corden. Correct. Very yeah. good from you, catching me out with my sneaky <laughs> Yeah, I know, I got tactic. you. After the little <laughs> Russell Crowe stunt, I'm not, I'm not good. taking any chances. You're going well, two from three. Um, yeah. There's a fourth question, and it comes off the back of the James Corden Spill Your Guts segment. Katie had to rank three of her lovers in order of how good they were. Did she rank them from worst to best, John Mayer, Orlando Bloom, Diplo? So worst John Mayer, Orlando, her life partner in the middle, and Diplo, her best lover. I, I definitely have a vague memory of this and I know that Diplo commented on it and I think Diplo was the best. I'm I'm pretty positive Diplo was the best. But I didn't realise Orlando Bloom was in the mix. It feels a little bit weird that she Orlando would have Bloom to... was in the mix. Because that, that's her husband. I know, but like it seems a little bit weird that she wouldn't put him at the top. Yeah. Then. I get you. But I'm gonna need But an I'm pretty for sure you. it was Diplo at the top. So I'm gonna say that's correct. Okay. Interesting question. Um, and the answer, I'm just going to double check because you seem so con- so convinced. However, Diplo was ranked the worst lover. Oh, Orlando second, John so- Mayer best. John Mayer best. And Orlando was still second. Yep. Orlando's sitting there pretty in the middle. Cause she can't, you know, that's the thing. It's the obvious answer to say your current partner. I like the idea of her saying... You know, the wild card, throwing I the mean, wild card I mean, I like it, there. but I don't think I'd want to come home to my partner after sandwiching in the, <laughs> them in the middle of a countdown <laughs> of my favourite lovers. <laughs> you know, Orlando, pretty... she got home from the Big Brother house. Orlando was like, you know what, you can just fuck off. <laughs> Go back to John, the Big Brother John house. John Mayer's ready for you. <laughs> what did you just call him? John Mayer? <laughs> John Mayer. What is it? You said John Mayer. Like the mayor of <laughs> John <laughs> John Mayer, sorry. John Mayer. Well uh, done, you got two out of four, you got fifty percent, that's a pass mark. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> now, this album was of course then followed with an incredible moment in live music history, uh the Witness Tour. Yeah. Uh, did you end up attending any of the Witness Tour? I events, did not attend the Sam. Witness Tour. You didn't. I didn't win one well. of the hundred thousand free tickets <laughs> given away by <laughs> Maya. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She came out. What did she come out for? Did she come out for the Melbourne Cup? I think, and then announced that they were giving away like a hundred ten thousand free tickets to the concert because it was just not selling. I, th- I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. And it was the um. The arena tour, and then they added Zed on to it. Yeah. And then, did they add someone else as well? I think they did. It rings a bell that they added someone else. I'm just going to look. It wasn't Sean Mendes, was it? I'm just trying to think of people I've seen at that venue. Um, Katy Perry, Witness Tour. Hang on. Witness the Tour in support. We've got uh, all the time in the world. Just... Oh, we... <laughs> 
I'll give you some of the people that supported, actually. This is really interesting. Uh, in North America, Noah Cyrus supported the first leg, which feels like yeah. really early Noah Cyrus adoption. Very early. Because this is the middle of 2017. Purity Ring supported the later 2017 dates in the States. Carly Rae Jepsen supported the third leg of North America. That's a pretty good combo. Oh, Noah, that is good. Purity Ring, Carly. Uh, BB Rexa supported South America. Um, yeah. Zed supported one show in Singapore. Um, Tuva Stierke supported half of the oh, Europe leg. Good. And Hayley Steinfeld, the other half. Um, oh. the, great, the great Starly supported... Um, in wow. the Perth, Adelaide and Melbourne legs in Australia And yep. then Zed supported Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney and Auckland I take you to Sydney, Kudos Bank Arena um, August 14th, 2018 um, <laughs> I take you to my, I'm pretty sure, $50 seats That were, actually I'm pretty sure I got them for free, I won't lie And uh, we take you to Zed's performance Which was half an hour of all the children with their families around us flossing uh, to Zed's yep. extremely sped up bangers um, yep. and remixes of Everything Under the Sun, including playing some Katie songs, which seemed counterproductive. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> that is such a bold move. It to was just a very drop bold move. The lead person songs in your yeah, I love that. It sounds like this would have been right up my alley. Oh, the whole thing was was up my the whole thing was up your alley. The whole thing was a beautiful experience. Then Katie jumps on stage. Um, within a couple of songs, we've got flamingos being held up on with stilt walkers sort of yeah. pushing the flamingos up into the sky. There were yeah. multiple skits involving Left Shark, including one where he had to play songs on a sort of foot piano. You know, those like big long pianos that people will step yeah. on in like novelty stores. Katie would interact with Left Shark on a regular basis. She had a real See, fixation on meat this pies. This is the meme thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, she bought, bought into, into the so meme hard. thing too heavily. And exactly. made a joke of herself. It was a the bizarre The internet experience. does a great job of making a joke of people for them. Like, you don't need to feel that any further because yep. it will just happen naturally. Exactly. And then they just go with it. Um, so it was, it was definitely one of the more cooked experiences of my entire life. It was yeah. wonderful. But it was wonderfully bonkers. It was yeah. wonderfully bizarre. It did feel very strange. It did feel really underwhelming because the poor attendance. And I'm looking yeah. at the... There's someone's fudged the figures on Wikipedia, I'm just going to add. Someone says that the tour was uh, sold 22,633 tickets off the 22,992 that were put on sale. In Australia. In Australia. That's for all the arenas combined. We're no. talking Kudos Bank Arena that fits about 12,000 people in anyway. So they downsized and then downsized some more. It was, it was very empty. Very empty arena. But, as I said, wonderfully bonkers, wonderfully bizarre, and definitely one of the more mer- memorable tour experiences of my life. Had she, like... Uh, I just don't understand how it changed so quickly. How do you, like go from Prism, which was the highest grossing tour of its year, to that because she still got the songs that everyone loved back then. Yeah. Like, why did everyone abandon it just because of one bad album? It's very strange, isn't it? And you're right, because she did do the hits and there were a bunch of really interestingly done mel- uh, medleys of some of the past album hits. Um, you know, and, and what they kind of do after, say, three or four tours of the same um, the same. songs in the same album she kind of did these really good little mashups and it was incredible bonkers production um but yeah a really interesting um 
a really interesting choice. It was a very, very interesting... It's just bizarre to me that it just went down so quickly because I think even not to, like, keep bringing up Gaga, but, like, Joanne, she was still doing quite well, like, tour-wise. Like, she was selling tickets for that tour quite easily, I think. So I just don't understand how people just left Katie so quickly. Exactly. I will add, she did actually... They're saying there was popular demand and that two more shows were added in the Australian (laughs) leg. Someone's fucking around with her Wikipedia page because that (laughs) venue was 20% full. Yeah, the popular demand was Maya, who said that. (laughs) (laughs) We've sold 10,000 tickets in five minutes. We can tickets. (laughs) (laughs) If you buy a Kate Spade purse, we'll give you a ticket to the Witness Tour. (laughs) <laughs> I can't I want to read you Actually, I'll just quickly read you um, The synopsis of the tour Because it's quite funny um, Shortly before the show begins The stage's eye-shaped screen Displays a video of Katy Perry's eye For a few moments The eye yeah. transforms into a galaxy And a journey through outer space is shown Leading to a red-coloured planet The screen opens to reveal Perry Riding a star-shaped structure re- Wearing a bejeweled and hooded red outfit With sunglasses She performs the chorus of Witness On top of giant climbable dice Wait, how did, wasn't she on a star earlier? Yes, she's moved from the star. And so then and she I, hops I rem- from the start of the dice. I vaguely I'm remember this because shockingly, I, I did it, drink be a couple of wines before the show because oh, I did needed you? just for as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe she jumps off the star onto the dice. I think that was what I remember occurring. The whole thing is okay. I, I just well, want it. Sounds re- excellent it. from where oh, I'm yeah. sitting. To be oh, honest, it's fantastic. And KP Vibes <laughs> tour will just be even better. I'm sure. It'll be amazing. <laughs> There'll be segments involving her child. I do want to give a little bit of, um, like, positivity towards the album, though, because I do think there are a few moments on there that deserve some attention. As I've mentioned, Roulette, I think, is amazing. Um, Drop a pin to your location, I think, is a a brilliant pop lyric. Gold star Um, line. Yeah, gold star for Katie and her her gaggle of writers on that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And a change to the rhythm is obviously good, like we've talked about. I think Witness, the lead single, is okay. I think Hey, Hey, Hey is pretty good. Yep. Um, there's a lot of pretty good moments on there. I know there's a lot of... Um, there's a, There are a lot of fans of Pendulum. I don't know mm. if you buy into that high. I liked Pendulum a lot. I liked Saver's Draft a lot. I'd yep. completely forgotten about how good that song was. Bigger Than yep. Me was a fantastic, you know, Katie does these really kind of like introspective ballads really well. And yep. there weren't many of them on this album because it was quite dance music focused and quite housey at times. But yep. Bigger Than Me was a really great moment of her kind of doing that introspection a little bit more um, that I think lacked across the, across the album as a whole. And so that was definitely a nice little highlight, nice little Easter egg in the middle. Yeah. So do you think that um, she will be able to pick it back up with KP5? Do you think KP5 will be better than Witness? Yes, I will I will definitely say it's going to be better than Witness. I think the music ever since Never Really Over has been really strong. I still love Small Talk. I didn't love it when I first heard it. It yeah, was definitely I like a grower. Small Talk too. There's this gorgeous video of her performing Small Talk in a bathroom with her band, just like a cappella, and it's 
it it like broke me when I watched it. It's so beautifully done. And I was like, wow. this is really great songwriting. I think she- Daisy's, as we said, it's a strong song. It's not something I'm going to continually go back to, I don't think, but it's a very strong radio song for sure. So yeah. I think going from here and actually having an album with her as her baby is born as well, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be the most new era for her, I think. But I think there'll be some yeah. elements of classic Katy Perry coming back to it as well. It'll be a I- little bit wacky. It'll be a bit fun, but also quite serious. I think she's going back to the core of just, like, great pop songs without crowding it with all this other shit. And I think, as we've seen time and time again, when an artist flops on one era, it awards them some freedom to make music without the pressure of kind of making a big hit again because they are on the other side of that, if you get what I mean. Like, they just um, have a little bit more creative freedom. So I think hopefully she'll take the reins of that and just make some absolute bangers that don't need to sound like what's going on on the radio right now. Like, we don't need her trying out a a Billie Eilish or a Doja Cat. We just need Katie making good pop music. We need Katie, and that's it. She feels necessary, and she's always felt like a necessary pop star. I don't think pop would have the fun that it has that it had throughout the 2010s absolutely if katie did if katie didn't come if katie wasn't a thing she's definitely the most fun of the pop stars of the of the main pop girls she's definitely yeah. the most fun and i think the people she's been working with on the more recent music like daisy's has a really interesting um songwriter and producer list it's with john bellion um, yeah. Jay Cash, who she's written a few songs in a row with and produced by Monsters and Strangers, who yeah. are kind of the preeminent production duo in the world right now. I, I would yeah. expect that you'll see co-writes from people like Sarah Ahrens um, yeah. and other kind of preeminent, you know, superstar songwriter producers that she would have been working with on this record. Um, so I think it'll be different. I think it'll be an evolution, but I'm excited for her. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm um, conscious that we're going to quickly make this podcast like a three-hour podcast so <laughs> I'm gonna, i just I'm looked at just, the time then <laughs> i know we just get really caught up glad to see we haven't lost any of our um, <laughs> our ability to chat um exactly. so I'm, I'm gonna take you to my game which has um no real rhyme or reason okay it's um so witness i felt like there was a bit of a um kind of spy vibe to the whole album in terms of the eye theme and everything yep. like that. So the eye was we're going to play present. a game called Witness or Spy Kids. So I'm oh. going to give you a quote from Spy Kids or mm-hmm. a lyric from Witness and you need to tell me which one it's from. <laughs> oh my God. So just checking these are quotes from the actual movie. Yes, from the movie. Okay. Featuring um, watched- Megan Trainer's future hu- or current <laughs> husband. The great Daryl Sabara. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my brain. It knows things like that. I don't. Want I know. It to know. I don't even know how you whipped that out. I don't want to instantly know Daryl Sabara's name. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So the first one is, I've been skipping school, going places, taking ferry rides in the city. School going places, very very rides in the city. I don't know. Oh, the spy kids would have been skipping school, so I get that um, because they've got to go and do spy things. Um, taking fer- I don't know why the spy kids would be taking ferry rides though. They've got their own spy kid mobiles and stuff. So I'm gonna go. That's a lyric. No, that's a quote <laughs> from Spy Kids. 
from the great um Carmen Cortez. Carmen Cortez. I say oh. great, having no idea who any of these people are. So if he's <laughs> she's if a girl, he's an abuser isn't she? or something, call me out. Isn't um, Carmen I, Cortez? I have no idea. I, told, I have no well, idea. Well, it's important. I that provide we find you out. this game with zero context. <laughs> it's it's very important that we know who Carmen Cortez is. Yeah, Carmen Cortez is the girl. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pleasure. Okay. Um, the next one is caught in a cage, a complex cage. Caught in a cage, a complex cage. That sounds like it would have been a really bad Katy Perry lyric, so it's definitely a lyric from Witness. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. Yes. It's a lyric from the song Mind Maze, one of the... Um, that's the worst song on the album. The terrible, yeah, the terriblest, as I that was going to say. Should not be on right. there. <laughs> <laughs> so of course that lyrics on it. All right, the next one is you can scroll through anything. You've got the codes. You can scroll through anything. You've got the codes. That sounds like something, Professor. Um, what's his name? Flug, the one that Alan Cumming plays, or whatever his name is. Um, Vegan Flug. Floop. Floop. Figan Floop. Yes, I believe it was a quote from the great Figan Floop. Uh, it was not. It was a quote from the great Catherine Hudson. Damn and it. And it was the title track witness. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, one more. You ready? <laughs> yes. It's a cruel, cruel world, all you little boys and girls. It's a cruel, cruel world. Are you little boys and girls? Swish, swish, bitch. I'm just singing. Free for all, and I take it out. Which was sim. I feel like that's a lyric from Swish, Swish for some reason. I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong, aren't I? That is a quote from the great Mr. Figan Floop. Damn it! I knew Floop would come up at some point. <laughs> so you fucked that. You did terribly. You got one out of four. You bitch. You bitch. Oh, um, it's quite got like a lot of similarities between Witness and Spy Kids. They were a lot real of spirit there. animals, and they didn't know. I know. She should have invited kind of Daryl into the house. Daryl oh, and Megan would have been excellent absolutely. dinner guests. They would have been great. Um, <laughs> Alexa Vega was the one who played Carmen Cortez. She's 31 now. You'll be pleased to know. Well, that makes sense too now because Katie was 31 when she released Witness. Oh know? my God, it's all coming so there together. There were a lot of thought that went into this game. <laughs> and on real that puzzle, note... <laughs> I challenge you to make a game as complex as Spy Kids or Witness. <laughs> you can actually buy it as a card game on our website after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We've teamed with Flex Factory. No, <laughs> Bianca's, Bianca Bosso is designed. Um, you can grab it on the Flex Factory store right now, along with a limited edition um, Witness T-shirt made by Flex. You can get, there's only one of them, and Sam's already bought it. <laughs> it's going to be a real flop, or should I say, floop? <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's, that's flop stars. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any better parting thoughts than no? <laughs> got none. No, no. no got none. No, witness, I mean, we're not as bad as not as bad as we thought. 
Um, it's not as bad as it was perceived at the time. I will no. say that. Let's just put that in writing or in audio. Um, <laughs> it was unfairly judged because of what was going on with Katie at the time. Yep. And I think now that we've had time to um, digest our thoughts on Katie and get it all out, I think we're going to approach hashtag KP5 with a much better outlook. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't have said it better myself. You just want to get rid of me. You're done. No, I don't. <laughs> you know I love like, spending time with you making flop stars. <laughs> well, welcome to season two anyway. It's going to be a good... <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you guys here. If there's any requests, uh, you know where we are on Twitter. Um, if you don't, at uh, Nick W. Kelly, at Sam underscore interns, or at the interns underscore net. Um, don't tweet. Uh, or is it the underscore interns or the interns underscore? The interns underscore net, isn't it? I don't know. Just <laughs> yeah, the, the interns underscore net. At the interns underscore net. Don't tweet Project U because I only check it tw- every two weeks. Um, so <laughs> make sure it goes straight to the interns or one of us. Um, and also <laughs> leave us, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, do the usual. It takes like two seconds to hit five stars and leave a review. Even if you just go, love this. Um, like do something without any thought because it still helps us get heard by more people and hit follow on Spotify if you're there. I mean, I don't think you should say leave five straight away. I think uh, yeah. if, you've, no, yeah, if you feel like it's thoughts. a three or four. Yeah, which today's definitely was. Maybe if it's um, under yeah. a three, maybe just just <laughs> leave your opinion for yourself. But with three or four, I think room to grow is pretty good. And we've got a really good season in store. Um, we do. Of which we've mapped out none of. Correct. <laughs> so if you've got a suggestion for where we go, um, let us know that too. Otherwise, we'll end up just doing every... We'll end up doing Prism next week, even though it went well. Yeah. Prism, yeah. followed by her Christian album. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Flop Stars. Good night and goodbye. Good morrow. See you next week, maybe. Bye. <laughs>